Good morning, King's Church. Wow, that was loud. I'm yelling. I'm excited. I'm excited. It was the hug. It was the hug with this team up here that got me excited. Good morning, beloveds. This is, would you believe this is week seven of, of, of Church in Exile, week seven of broadcasting live from these amazing uh, studio right here in the lobby of 301 Harbor Drive. Um, boy, I miss your faces. I do. I can't wait to see um, so many of you again here in the weeks to come. We're excited that, that it looks like we're progressing towards being able to, to meet again in, in person. And we're just thrilled about that prospect. We're just going to have an awesome time when we get that, uh, when we can, can come back here um, in, and be together. Uh, but in the meantime, you're there, comfortable with, with your family, with your friends there in your living rooms, um, just worshiping with us, celebrating with us. If you haven't done it already, as Pastor Jonathan shared just in that video, um, go ahead and, and share this live feed to your own personal pages, if you would, so we can just... Uh, bring as many, as many ears into this as possible, as many hearts into this as possible with us this morning. And um, as he mentioned, if, you, if, you, if you're sort of new to, to joining us online, we'd love to know more about your visits. So when you get a chance, get a new tab open in your browser or in your phone and go to kingschurch.net slash connect. Let us know a little bit about your visit. As he said, we, we'd love to follow up with you, get to know you a little bit more. Another announcement too, I want to stand up. I'm going to be sitting down for a little bit. I won't, I won't meander too far off. <laughs> Another announcement that I want to tell you in person is this next week, we are going to, to be offering two online equipping classes. Uh, and we're going to be kicking those off this week. We've been trying to talk about it and, and get, get some plans in place. And we want to offer two of those uh, that are going to be starting this week. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be facilitating one. And then Pastor Megan, my wife, is going to be facilitating another one. Uh, those will be on Tuesday night for a class called Unstuck. It's going to be sort of a video-based class. You're going to watch some videos beforehand, and then you're going to come together on Tuesday night for a Zoom meeting with others in your group. Megan's going to be facilitating that. Um, and on Thursday night will be a, a class that I'm facilitating called Secret Church. If you're familiar with um, Pastor David Platt and his series called Secret Church, he's going to be walking through... Um, sort of an overview of the Old Testament. Both of these classes, both Unstuck and Secret Church, they're going to be four weeks. So we're keeping it pretty short, pretty small commitment. We're going to be kicking it off this week, and then for the next four weeks, we're going to be doing this together. Um, we want you to be a part of it, even if King's Church is not you. This is the great thing about technology. The great thing about being online is that you don't even have to live in Lexington to be a part of this. You don't even have to be part of our church. In fact, this is we want you, wherever you are around the U.S., we would love for you to, to be a part of this with us. So website should be there on your screen, kingschurch.net slash groups. If you go there, you can read a little bit more about what these two classes are. Um, and then, most importantly, you can click the button to go and register for them because we do need you to register. There's no cost for this, but we do need to plan so we can get you some login information for that. So go to kingschurch.net slash groups. Unstuck is going to be starting Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. Secret Church is going to be starting Thursday night at 8 o'clock. We want you to be a part of this. So go and, and sign up for those, um, and we'll get the information to you that's needed. All right? All right, I'm excited about this. I'm excited about um, just kind of coming in and, and learning together with you guys in a new way from God's Word. Speaking of God's Word, get it. Get your Bibles out this morning. Go ahead and grab, grab your old-fashioned analog edition because we're going to be in the Word this morning, uh, or if you've got devices, but you can't, you can't stream and have your Bible at the same time. So go ahead and get this one out. This is good. Oh, it smells good, and it's, you can write in it. So get your, get your Bible out. I want to share with you a message called The Unbearable Pain of Self-Reliance. Yes, I know that's a depressing title. <laughs> but <laughs> so if, if, if you're not discouraged already, I want you to bear with me because this is, this is a message that's been on my heart for, for uh, a number of months. And even back in, in February and March, I just sort of kept asking the Lord about this. And I think with, with the onset of COVID-19 and the kind of social and, and economic disruptions um, what God has to say about this is even more urgent now than before. 
And I want to suggest something to you, um, sort of the big idea of this, is that the greatest threat to your um, spiritual survival is not just you know, these, these, these sins that you might do. It's not going to be uh, the, the, the devil. It's not going to be spiritual warfare. It's certainly not going to be the government or, you know, the other political party who passes laws that you don't like. The greatest threat to your spiritual survival is the myth of self-reliance. It's, it's, it's a dangerous myth. It's destructive. And to be honest, it is, it is at the very heart. It's at the DNA of our culture in America, this idea of self-reliance. Let me give you an example. A few years, a number of years ago, 20, 30 years ago, there was a sociologist named um, Robert Bella. He wrote a book called Habits of the Heart, kind of take, taking a look at the, some of the sociological uh, things that were happening um, in his day. He ends up interviewing a lady named Sheila Larson about religion, about faith, about uh, sort of the, 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 the state uh, of of faith in, in adults in that, in that time, in this time period. And he asked her, Sheila, if she believed in God, does she believe in God? Are you, a, are you a believer? Do you attend a church? And she says this. She says, I believe in God. She says, I'm not a religious fanatic. I can't remember the last time I went to church. My faith has carried me a long way. She says, it's Sheilaism. That's what she called it. Just my own little voice. Sheilaism. I'm thinking to myself, boy, Sheila, you're on to something. That may as well be the national religion of the United States, of the world that we live in, our own little voice, our own sort of, you know, hand, hand, our own personally crafted um, way of viewing the world, way of viewing uh, our faith. And that, that's, that's essentially what self-reliance is. And it says, self-reliance, by the way, says two things. One, it says this. It says, there is no authority outside of myself. We're defining it. It says, first of all, there's no authority outside of myself. There's, there's not really, you know, a God up there in the sky. Um, there, there's not anything else apart from um, how I think, how I feel, what seems right to me. And the second thing that self-reliance says, if there's no authority outside of myself, then a consequence of that is I have to meet my own needs. I have to take care of myself. There's nothing outside of myself. No one's looking out for me, you know, so therefore I have to take care of myself. I've got to meet my own needs. And this is, this is, this is a dangerous place to be. This is a dangerous worldview to be in. You know, when we're, we're Americans, you know, coming up in a few months, we're celebrating on July 4th, what? Uh, Independence Day, right? And what, what, what is sort of the founding document of, of that? It's the declaration of what? Independence, or we declare we are independent of you, Great Britain. We, we are severing our ties. And that's great for a nation. That's great when it comes to, you know, being tied to tyrannical powers. But it's a dangerous philosophy to build your life upon. We are not meant to be independent of God. We're not designed to be independent of our maker, we are designed, on the contrary, not to be self-reliant, but to be fully dependent upon God, to be fully reliant upon Him. Uh, and this goes back, honestly, if, we, if, if you know, this, the message of this going back to Genesis 3, Genesis 3 is kind of where all this begins, you know? Uh, so you, you, can, you can kind of say what you want about it, but Genesis 3, God designs these two people, our parents, you know, this, this, this man and woman who are made in his own image, he has designed them to be, uh, to, they're, they're, they're meant to be autonomous, of course. They have free will. They have free choice. They can choose to do things. They're not robots. We're not robots. We're meant to make our own choices, but they're meant to be in full dependence upon God. They're meant to draw their very life from him. And of course, you know the story, they choose otherwise. They choose, no, we can't trust God. This is self-reliance. There is no authority outside of ourselves, says Adam and Eve. Therefore, we must meet our own needs. We have to sort of take what we feel like we need. And it leads to uh, just this, this incredible then break in the fabric of the world. It leads to just this, this fragmentation of, of reality as they know it and as you and I know it. And that's, of course, 
that starts this whole cycle all through the history of the ancient people of Israel. You know, just this, this cycle of, of, of brokenness and self-reliance and, and, and destruction and death and rebellion. And, and God, God raises them back up and the cycle starts all over again, even up until the present day. Self, the, the myth of self-reliance, it is, it is dangerous. It is the, it is the, it is one of the, it's the gravest threat to our spiritual well-being, especially, I want to say this, especially in the seasons to come. Because what we're seeing is that we are not as, we're, we're not as capable of fully taking care of our needs as we would like. You know, we, we, and, and the, the ground that we've been building our lives on in our culture you know, the economic ground and the cultural ground and all these things, the, the life that we've gotten used to, we've gotten used to freedom, we've gotten used to wealth, we've gotten used to, you know, our IRA is doing well, our investments are doing well, and school is going great, and I've got all these, all that stuff is being shaken and tested. For some of us, it's being shaken a lot more than others. But in my heart, I'm believing this is just the beginning of this. Things can and will begin to be shaken even more. And those who have built their life upon this foundation of self-reliance, I must meet my own needs because there's no authority outside of myself. It's going to lead to an incredible amount of pain in their lives. Let me read this to you from Jeremiah chapter 11. We're going to go to two places. One of them is Jeremiah chapter 11. One of them is Isaiah 55. But let's go here to, to Jeremiah chapter 11. Jeremiah, by the way, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. Jeremiah, called, he's called the weeping prophet, by the way, because so much of the things that he, the, 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 um, the words in his heart that he has to deliver to his people, to his friends, to his family, to his, so much of those words are just heavy and, and burdensome and full of grief and full of heartache. And he just delivers these prophetic words with just with pain in his heart and tears in his eyes. But he says this in Jeremiah 11. He's prophesying about the, the time when Israel's false self-reliance is going to crumble beneath them and their world will be destroyed and they'll be taken literally. This is not figurative language. This is not figurative language. This is a literal thing that's going to happen to the nation of Israel. It happens in, in, in 586 BC when the capital of Jerusalem is, is invaded and sacked by the Babylonian Empire. Jeremiah is writing a, you know, just a few years before this and he's warning them about this. And he says this in Jeremiah 11, verse 6, The Lord said to me, Proclaim all these words in the town of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. Listen, God is saying through Jeremiah, Listen to the terms of this covenant and follow them. From the time I brought your ancestors up from Egypt until today, I warned them again and again, saying, Obey me. God said, Obey me. But they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubbornness of their evil hearts. You know, we could, we could put that in our own language and say, but they did not rely upon me. Instead, they relied upon themselves. So I brought upon them all the curses of the covenant I had commanded them to follow, but they did not keep. Verse 9, then the Lord said to me, there is a conspiracy among the people of Judah and those who live in Jerusalem. They have returned to the sins of their ancestors who refused to listen to my words. They have followed other gods to serve them. Both Israel and Judah have broken the covenant I made with their ancestors. Verse 11, therefore, this is what the Lord says, I will bring on them a disaster they cannot escape. Although they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. The towns of Judah and the people of Jerusalem will go and cry out to the gods to whom they burn incense. They're going to go, they're going to cry out to these gods that they've made but they will not help them at all when disaster strikes. You, Judah, says God, you have as many gods as you have towns. And the altars that you have set up to burn incense to, that shameful god Baal, are as many as the streets of Jerusalem. This is an indictment from the Lord against this false myth of self-reliance. You know, and it's easy for us to sort of look at that ancient people, you know, and sort of like cast this like, you know, modern judgment upon them. Oh, well, they're, they're, you know, they were primitive people. They had these gods. They had statues of gods that they worshiped. We don't believe that anymore. And I would say, oh, really, do we not? We may not craft these idols out of stone. We may not craft them out of, out of iron or bronze or gold or whatever, but we, we certainly have things that we, that we give our devotion to in life apart from God. 
entertainment and sports and money and sex and, and, and power and our career and all these other these, these, these are easily idols that have taken our attention away, that have taken our faithfulness away from God. And God says it in, five, in, in 586, he's saying the same thing today. The myth of self-reliance is dangerous and it leads to an unbearable, unbearable amount of pain in the, the, the self-reliant life. So let me, let me give you four areas that I believe, that I believe this is what you can expect if you build your life upon self-reliance. Here's what, here's what you can expect. And then after this, I have, do have good news for you, by the way. I do have something positive to say. This is heavy, I know. Bear with me here. But I believe it's true, and I believe God wants to remind us in our culture, in our post-Christian culture, where we have as many gods as we have cities, as many idols as we have towns. God wants to remind us, here, here America, here's what you can expect if you pursue a life of self-reliance. The first one is this. It's the pain of uncertainty. And I wish I, wish I could adequately explain how, 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 how deeply this first, this first point is, is embedded in my heart. And I, I don't have the words to it, but maybe, maybe those of you who are new to the faith, maybe those of you could even comment or testify or give a word and say, yeah, I know what he's talking about. Do you remember what it's like to not really know what life is all about, where hope comes from, where purpose comes from? You know, those of you that sort of grew up in the church, this may be new to you. Those of you that are, that are maybe sort of new to the faith and have been, you know, lost for a long time, or even maybe some of you that are watching, am, am I resonating with you? You know, do, do you know what that feels like to not really know, to have no certainty about what life is? And not even, not even to not know it, you don't even know where to get it. You don't even know where to find answers. You don't have the answers. You don't even know where to look for the answers. You know, do I go to this religion? Do I go to that religion? Do I go to this person? Do I go to that? Do I go to this philosophy? Do I, do I, do I embrace Sheilaism? Do I, do I create my own identity called Bradism, where whatever the little voice inside of my head tells me, that must be it? Never mind the fact that tomorrow the little voice in my head may some, say something totally different. Do I just follow my heart around because my heart doesn't really seem to know where it's going? And this is the pain of uncertainty. Look what Jeremiah says before, the chapter before. He says, I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own. It is not for man to direct his steps. We don't have it in us to have certainty in ourselves. We're not wired that way. We're not created that way. It's not in our spiritual DNA. And if we pursue self-reliance, there is a tremendous pain that comes with not knowing. So that's the first thing, the pain of uncertainty. Here's the second one. Because of that, we also have this pain of separation. We're alienated and we don't know why. I was talking to Megan about this the other day. Talking, you know, we're celebrating 20 years of marriage this summer. That's incredible. I'm not, I'm not old. We we got married when we were seven or eight, so that explains it. But like 20 years, you know, and just to to have this to have this love relationship with someone who who knows you and accepts you as you are and trusts you, you know. But a self-reliant life, you know it. All things being equal, it leads to a lot of separation, not just separation between you and God, the one who made you, but also there's this separation from others. Your relationships are harder. They're not impossible. I'm, I'm not suggesting that people that are not of the Christian faith can have good relationships and they can't have happy marriages. That's, that's certainly true. That, that is true. But there's something intrinsic about the, the self-reliant life where we are separate, where, where we fight this sense of separation from others and we don't know why. And it causes us pain. And relationships are hard all the time. Genesis 3 says what? God banished them from the garden. God kicks them out of his presence. Not only are they now separated from God, there's also a rift between the two of them. Now they are fighting with one another. Now there's a lack of trust. And even as you, as you read through the story in the rest of Genesis, you see that there is a this profound family dysfunction at every chapter. And that's a result of this kind of, this kind of myth. Pain of separation. Here's the third one. The pain of unfulfilled hunger. 
And those of you that have, that have struggled with addictions, you know what this is like. Always wanting more and never being satisfied. This is, a, this is an overflow of this kind of life. We have this pain, this hunger for something, and we don't... Pascal, Blaise Pascal, this great Christian uh, philosopher, several hundred years ago, he talks about this idea of a God-shaped... There's a God-shaped hole inside of all of us. He talks about this. He says, inside of every human heart, there's a hole in the shape of God. What, what's the shape of God? I don't know. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's there, and we try to fill that hole with so many other things. You know, we try to take relationships and sex to fill that sin, that hunger inside of us, and it doesn't really work. It doesn't fit. We try to take money and, and, and wealth and material things to try to fill that, and it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't fit. You know, we, we try to pursue power and ambition and career to fill that hole, and it doesn't fit. Why? Because only God can fill a God-shaped hole. Ecclesiastes 4.8 says, here was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. And I know our, our, the, we're, in, we're, we're in a country, we're in a generation where we have a great degree of wealth. You know, we have very much the poor and we have very much the wealthy. But the pain of unfulfilled hunger impacts all of us. It, it, it hits everyone. The poor look upon what they have and they're not satisfied. I want more. The wealthy look upon what they have. They look around at their fleet of cars and their, uh, you know, their, their, their great pool and their 5,000 square foot house and they say, hmm, that's not enough. I want more. The self-reliant life can lead to this pain of unfulfilled hunger. And it hurt, and it It's, it's discouraging year after year after year to keep chasing after things, wanting to satisfy yourself and not knowing why. Why am I not happy? I have everything in the world. I have all the money in the world. I have a beautiful wife. I have great children. I've got all of these you know, relationships. I'm, I'm loved in my community. I'm loved at work. I'm, I'm at the top of my game. Yet why, why am I not happy because the pain of self-reliant life leads to unfulfilled hunger. Here's the fourth one, the pain of a wasted life. The pain of a wasted life. This is what it leads to. Many of you will remember um, 1995. I was in, just started college. And I remember the news came on about a bombing in Oklahoma City where the Murrah, Alfred Murrah Federal Building was bombed and it was, at the time, the greatest act of domestic terrorism up until 9-11. Up until it was the greatest act of terrorism. 168 people were killed. They finally tracked down uh, two perpetrators, Terry Nichols and a, and a young man, former Marine named uh, Timothy McVeigh. Um, as they are, sort of as they're gathering evidence for trial against McVeigh, in his, in his belongings, they find a copy of a 19th century poem by by a guy named um, William Ernest Henley. The title of the poem is Invictus. And it says, I want to read it to you. I want to quote it to you here. Because it's, you could call it, this is the hymn of self-reliance. They find this in McVeigh's, in the McVeigh's belongings. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And that's, you know, we kind of read that and say, well, that's, you know, that, that, that inspires me, you know, and it inspires me to sort of man up and, and, and take ownership for my life. And to a degree, to a degree, that's good. To a degree, we do have to take sort of responsibility for ourselves. But ultimately, it's self-reliance like that that leads to a, a, a wasted life. Jesus talks about in, in, in the Gospels, you know, 
Um, he talks about hell quite a lot. You know, Jesus talks about hell a lot more than heaven. Isn't that interesting? Maybe we should do that. But one of the references that Jesus makes, he, he calls it Gehenna. That's sort of the, the, the word in the ancient language that he used. Um, and he says this in Matthew. He says, it's better for you to enter life. And by, by the way, this is right after he has said, if, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. If your arm offends you, cut it off. If it causes you to stumble, cut it off. He says these provocative things. Jesus is very provocative. You know, he says, if, if, if something is causing you trouble, pluck out your eye, cut off your arm, because he says, it is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into Gehenna where the fire never dies, is what he says. And scholars say that that is likely a reference to, uh, of course, there's, there's the spiritual hell that we're talking about, but also in, a, in, a, in, a, in very much a, a practical expression of that, Jesus may have had in mind sort of these, these fires out in, the, out in the Kidron Valley outside of Jerusalem where, they, where the, 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 the trash of the city was taken and dumped. It was, it was a town dump, you know, and there was the fire that was sort of always burning there. It was always trash being burned. And Jesus likens uh, hell, as you and I understand it, to this dump, this trash heap that's always on fire, never burning up. That's a wasted life. You ever go out there and just like look? Of course, I hope you don't. <laughs> I hope you don't go out to, to, to landfills and just look around. I've been at one once or twice, dumping, you know, taking a, a carload of stuff out there. You know, but ever look at things that are just out there and say, boy, this, this, you know, that thing served its purpose and now it's just out here, wasted. Imagine your life so wasted. Imagine just that what you are meant for is not fulfilled. And instead, your life is just thrown out there on this great cosmic landfill. Those are not my words. That's what Jesus says. Pain of a wasted life. So the self-reliant life, it really only leads to hurt. It leads to brokenness. It leads to loss. It leads to death. That's the bad news. I don't want that for you. God doesn't want that for you. God says, I have something better for you. I have a life that is the opposite of all of those things, a life of dependence. And here's the thing. If a life of self-reliance leads to unbearable pain, the life of dependency upon God leads to incredible joy and blessing. And that's, that's what I want you to hear. And I think that's what the Spirit of God wants us to hear this morning. The, a life of dependency upon God leads to incredible joy, incredible blessing. Here's what you can expect. This is good news, all right? Here's what you can expect. Instead of uncertainty, friends, you can have confidence. As you depend upon God, instead of uncertainty, you can have in confidence. Listen to what Isaiah 30 says. Isaiah 30 says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. You know, I, I got the coolest little device. It's not right here, but somewhere around here are these little, little white pieces of plastic. They're about that big. You know, uh, a friend gave these, gave these to me earlier, and, and they're, they're called AirPods or something like that, earbuds or AirPods. They go in your ears, and they're Bluetooth connected to your phone, and you can hear whatever is happening here directly. And it's the, it's the craziest thing, especially if you're using this, like if you're driving around, you know, and you've got your maps turned on. I'm driving in my car. I've got the maps pulled up. And I can hear the whole time uh, the instructions of where I need to go. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm moving to a place that, if I'm trying to find a location I've never been before, this is the most amazing thing. I've got a satellite up in the sky that's monitoring my every move that knows where I am and where I'm going and is telling me how to get there step by step. That's amazing. This is what we have when we have a life of dependency of God. We have the Spirit of God who, who gives us not uncertainty, but it gives us confidence. Even if he doesn't tell us step by step everything that's going to happen, he says, look, friend, son or daughter, I know the way for you. Listen, I want to tell you, go this way. I want to tell you, go that way. This is incredible news. Those of you that have never experienced this before, you've never had certainty in your life, come on. This is what God wants for you. He wants to give you confidence. He wants to speak to you about the things you have uncertainty about. He wants to tell you what to do in situations. That's what God has for you. Whether you turn to the right or left, your, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And I, I can't fully explain it to you. All I can say is put God to the test. Put these things in your ears and let God begin to speak. 
Instead of, here's the second thing you can, you can depend on. I want to I stand up. Instead of separation, there is community. Instead of separation, instead of that sort of that, that chronic alienation from God, that, that, that brokenness that you just feel, you know, there's going to be a, a new sense of community. You're going to be, you're going to sense this nearness to God that you've never known. That wall that separates you from your maker can be lifted up. That wall that seems to tear, that, 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 that troublesome wall that seems to come between you and, you know, friendships or relationships or your spouse or your kids, whatever that is, God is going to begin to move that wall out of the way and teach you how to be in full relationship with one another. Leviticus 26 says this, I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. That's what God wants. That's his heart. God wants to walk. God wants to be right where you are. God wants to be in your living room. God wants to be in your bedroom. He wants to be in the kitchen. He wants to be in the car with you. He wants to go with you at work. He wants to be this, this constant friend that is always there, who always has the right thing to say, who is always encouraging. Your friends aren't like that. My friends aren't like that. Your spouse isn't that way. I'm not that way to my wife. But God is that way. God is always there. He's always good. He always has good things that he wants to speak into your heart. Instead of separation, there's community. Here's the third thing. Instead of hunger, there is fulfillment. Instead of hunger, there is fulfillment. If your life has been one of constant hunger for something and you don't know what it is, I'm asking you, allow God to meet that. Allow God to satisfy. God is just not, he's not just another flavor on the sampling bar. God is the one who can fill the heart that you have that is, has a God-shaped hole in it. Delight yourselves in the Lord, says Psalms, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. You know, God wants to give you, God wants to, God wants to fulfill those things inside of your heart that have always been there. That desire for significance. God wants to fulfill that. That desire for meaning. God wants to fulfill that. That desire just to, to be fully alive in the world. God wants to fulfill that desire. God wants to give good things to you. He does. He says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Uh, Psalm 91 says this, with long life, God says, with long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. Isn't that beautiful? I want that, God. I want a, I want a long life. I want God to to satisfy me. I want to see his hand. I want to see the good things overflow from his heart into mine. Instead of hunger, there's fulfillment. You can have that. You can have it today. It can begin today for you. Fourth thing is this. Instead of the wasted life, there is a life of extraordinary significance. Extraordinary significance. You are made for significance, beloved. You are. You are an eternal creature made in the very image of God himself. You were made in the image of your heavenly father. You were meant for something more than just the wasted trash heap of human existence. Doesn't matter where you've come from. Doesn't matter what you've done, what you failed to do, the mistakes that you've made. It doesn't matter about your family background. Doesn't matter how intelligent you are, the degrees that you have or don't have, the money that you have or don't. None of that matters. You were made for some for eternal significance, extraordinary significance. You are a delight to God. Exodus 19, God says, you will be my treasured possession. That's, what God, that's how God sees you. God sees you as a treasured possession. He sees you as the one lost sheep that he's going to leave the 99 and go running after. That's how much God loves you. That's how much he cares for you. That's the joy of the dependent life. I meant to read Isaiah 55. I forgot to read that, but we're going to read it here. I got a little ahead of myself. It's okay. This is the promise. This is the promise for you. 55 verse 1, come all you who are thirsty. Anyone thirsty today? Not for this. I'm talking about this. I'm talking about really, really thirsty. Come to the waters and you who have no money, come buy and eat. This is good news. This is good news in our quarantine time where, where jobs are, 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 have fallen off. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on that which is not bread? 
Why do you spend your labor on that which does not satisfy? You and I, we spend so much time trying to chase after things that don't really fulfill us, trying to rely upon ourselves. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, says God, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Come on, beloved. Listen to what God's saying. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. God wants to make an everlasting covenant with you. God wants to become your life's point of reference. There's a story told um, of a prison, an ancient prison in France. This is a unique prison. It's not one with walls like you would think of or bars on there. It's actually a prison that's um, sort of in, in the bottom of an old castle on the coast of Scotland. Um, not Scotland, France, off the coast of France. And this, this, this sort of dungeon was prison was carved out of rock there and, and off of the coast. And this, this dungeon was kind of unique. It was actually shaped like a bottle. It wasn't a wall like this. It was actually a, a small hole that they cut at the top. And then down in this cavern, it was completely circular, about six feet wide. So you'd come in, you were lower down, down through a rope, through the hole in the top of this, and uh, down into this dungeon surrounded uh, just with circular walls all the way around and no light. It would close over the top, and you were in total darkness. You were in total isolation. There's no corners. There was nothing to orient yourself in this place. And they would find that every prisoner put in here would soon begin to lose their grasp on sanity. It didn't take very long. Prisoners that were once of strong mind and sound mind soon, after just several days down in this, would, would begin to lose their minds. Because there was no, there was no, there, there was no, no, no way to orient themselves, except for one. They found that one prisoner, week after week, was able to maintain his sanity, and say, "Well, this is unusual." You know, the prison guards would kind of wonder what's going on. And has somebody been talking to him? No, he's been in isolation. Has somebody been giving him, you know, whatever? No, no one's, you know, there's nothing else that's going on. Why, how was this prisoner able to maintain his sanity week? after week in total, total isolation, total darkness, in this circular six-foot prison. They pull him out. They ask him about it, finally. Question. He says, well, my secret is this. He reaches in his pocket, and he pulls out six pebbles out of his pocket. One, two, three, four, five, six. They said, what, what's, what's the deal with the pebbles? What do they do? And they discovered that he was able to maintain a sanity because these, these rocks were something outside of himself that he could orient himself around. And he says, what I would do Every day, whenever I would feel that my mental powers were threatened, I would pull these out and I would take them out and I would count them in total darkness. I would say one, two, three, four, five, six. There's always six. Okay, there's six pebbles in my hand. This is something that I can, he puts them back in, he would go another day. A few days later, he would begin to feel his mind losing grasp on reality. He would say, I need something outside of me. He would pull them out. Okay, here they are in my hand. One, two, three, four, five, six. His point of reference changed to something outside of himself. And I'm, I want to suggest to you that that's what you and I need. We have to have something outside of ourself to reference as, for, as our life's point of reference. We can't find it in ourselves. Just like the GPS, you know, that's speaking. Something up that's seeing things that we can't see that tells us where to go. God wants to be that. God wants to be your life's point of reference. Brian, come on up. We're going to wrap up here. So God's invitation from, from Isaiah 55. Seek, verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. This may not be up on the screen. I want to read it to you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Pay attention to that. While he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Do you see? There's a little bit of a warning inside of that. There's this awareness that God may not always be found. God may all, not always be near. There's going to come a time when that, that, that invitation for you to reorient your life may not be available to you. I just want to give you, a, give you a, an encouragement today. Seek the Lord while he's here. He's knocking. Ask. I want to pray for us here. I want to pray for you um, this morning. I want to pray for us in the days to come that our hearts will 
respond to him in full self-reliance. And those of you that are, that are sort of walking in the faith, I want to encourage you, keep relying upon, keep relying upon God. Keep drawing upon his love every day. Keep, seek, keep taking the time to listen to his voice. If you're feeling crowded out by the stuff of the world, if you're feeling, you know, some of these other things, then you just need to stop and say, okay, pull, pull, pull the rocks out of your pocket and begin to count them. Remind yourself of the truth of who God is. Remind yourself of the truth of who you are in Christ. Recalibrate, reorient yourself to God and his promises. If you've never, if you've never said yes, if you've never said yes to, to, to what God is calling you to, let today be that day. That's, that's not from me. That's from God. This is from the heart of God. God. God is drawing you. God is offering this. God is pulling you in. God is saying, don't, 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 don't settle for the pain that self-reliance is going to bring to you. Let me give you something instead. Amen. Father, we, we thank you this morning for your word. Father, we thank you that we don't have to be our own uh, point of reference. We don't have to be um, we don't have to, to, to rely upon our own resources and our own strength, Lord. Thankful for that because some days we just don't have it. We're thankful, Lord, that you offer yourself as a foundation upon which we build our life. We bless your name for that today, Lord. Lord, we find in you what we've been looking for. We say yes to you. There's this window of mercy that's been opened to us, this window of opportunity. So we listen to you. We give ear to you. We seek you, Lord, while you're found. We call upon you because you're near. We say no, Lord, to the false, to this myth, to this false myth of self-reliance, Lord. We know that it just leads to, to hurt and to brokenness. We say yes to dependence upon you. We come to you, Lord, thirsty. We come to you, Lord, broke, empty. Lord, we don't have money to buy, but Lord, you give it to us anyway. Lord, we're done wasting our lives on things that don't satisfy. And we receive the gift of your life, Jesus. Amen. All right. We're going to... Um, just take a few minutes here towards, towards, the, towards the end just to do some prayer ministry. If you've got uh, anything that we can pray for as a ministry team, this is typically what we do when we're live streaming. We'll encourage you to, uh, to, uh, to post those in the comment thread, and we'll pray for those. We've got three or four of our team members that will be watching out for those and keeping an eye for those, and uh, we'll, we'll pray for those here uh, momentarily. If you just got anything, if you've got a, any need physically, Anything else that we can pray for? We see God do miracles. Keegan, just earlier in the service, right up here, was giving testimony to what God's done. God does those things all the time. He heals all the time. He delivers and restores all the time. And God wants to do it again. So let's, we can go ahead and post those, and we'll just take a few minutes while those come in. Jennifer, we're going to pray for you and your family. Jennifer's part of our, our church family here. Our son Christopher's part of our church family. He's back in the hospital. So let's just pray for him. Lord, we thank you for, uh, for Jennifer and for Hazel and Christopher, Lord. Thank you that you love them deeply. Lord, and you're walking with them through this season. Lord, you're, you're, not, you're not blind to what's been happening, Lord. Father, we pray you would just minister to, to Christopher, give healing to him right now. Pray you just free him from the things that are, are, are afflicting him today and restore, give full restoration. Full restoration, Lord, of his heart. Full restoration of his, his mind and his body. All parts of it, Lord, just restore it. Give freedom to him, Lord, today. In Jesus' name.
Father, we just lift up also those that have been sick and, uh, and just struggling with, with illness in the last few weeks, with chronic pain, Lord, with respiratory uh, diseases. Father, would you just give, give breath, give full strength and full breath um, in the lungs of those. Give freedom from pain, Lord God. Father, I just pray against discouragement and loneliness. Lord, after seven weeks of, of, of being separated and isolated. Father, where, where, where human touch can't, uh, can't happen, Lord, you can minister presence. You can minister friendship. You can minister companionship. So we, we pray that and we release that upon uh, our seniors, upon our shut-ins, the ones that are living alone at home. Father, encourage hearts today. Father, we pray for those that are financially under pressure, that have lost jobs, that are waiting on um, unemployment to come in. Maybe the jobs are, are, are just sporadic here and there, a little bit at a time. Father, would you release the storehouses of provision upon your children? Show mercy, Lord, to your people. Father, during this time, Lord, God, just allow us to grow in the way you want us to grow. Don't allow us to become settled or complacent, afraid. But Lord, just allow this time to sharpen our conviction. Allow it to deepen our trust in you, Lord. Would you draw us, Lord, into places where we just spend time with you and hear your voice. Lord, those of us that are, that are, that are free now, schedule-wise, free from some of the work restraints, God, let, would, you, would you sort of just redirect us and give us a new job, Lord? The other job may have closed this door, but Lord, would you give us a new job of just sitting at your feet and hearing your voice and hearing from you, Lord, as you begin to teach us things about the kingdom, things about yourself, Lord. Help us just to take these this time to sit and to learn from you in a new way, Lord. Father, we want to be changed during this, the, this shutdown. We want to be different. We want our families to be different. We want our church to be different. We don't want to return to just business as usual. We want to come away, Lord, just with, 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 with a limp. Lord, like Jacob in, in Genesis, after wrestling with God, he comes away with a limp. Lord, help us to come away stronger with a new name, Lord, with a limp. We want, to just, we want to move into the deeper things you have for us in, in the days to come and in the season to come. Father, we pray for Keith. We thank you for this brother, Lord. We lift him up to you. We pray for healing for his back, Lord. Father, just minister healing to him. Thank you for him. Thank you for his heart for the lost. Thank you for his heart for street ministry. He's tasted of that. He wants to return to that, Lord. And we want him, we want him there. We want him leading the way there. So, Father, give full restoration to his back, Lord. Father, we pray for wisdom, as Marcy said, wisdom for, uh, for our leadership, Lord, for our municipal government here in Lexington as they're making decisions, for the leadership of our state, for, for our Governor Bashir, Lord, for President Trump and, and those in, in, in decision-making positions. Father, just give wisdom. Don't let, don't let politics get in the way of sound, of, of sound policy and sound decisions that will benefit this nation. We bless your name, Lord. We bless your name. Pull us, Lord. Pull us deeper into you. Pull us away from the myth of self-reliance. Pull us away from this, 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 this orientation, Lord, that, 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 that denies that there's any authority outside of ourselves, that we have to meet our own needs. Lord, that's a dangerous thing. You meet our needs. You, Lord, ultimately, you meet our needs. The stock market will go up and down. Jobs will come and jobs will go. Lord, the diseases and plagues can come back, Lord. They can come roaring back, Lord. We don't have the, we don't have the power, Lord, to, to really meet our needs and, to, and to, to guard our lives in the way that we want to. We can't do it, Lord. 
So you have to meet our needs. We, have, we depend upon you, Lord. You are our, our guard. You are our defense. You are our provider. You are our wisdom. So, Lord, we just, we, we, we say, we acknowledge, Lord. We can't, but you can. All right, a praise report. Christy posted this. Sasha, Sasha, we love you. We're praying for your baby. Lord, we just bless little baby Reinhardt right now, Lord. Let him grow even more today. Let him be full of your presence today. Keep mama safe. Keep baby safe. Bless the Horning family. All right, it says here, Christy says, or Sasha says, on Friday night, my neighbor called and asked for prayer. She is first trimester pregnant and was experiencing a loss of blood. We prayed, Sasha prayed for over the phone. Uh, texted a, f- a handful of some of the King's Church women to pray as well. Um, the bleeding has stopped that by the next morning. The baby has a strong heartbeat. She feels peace, specifically from our prayers. We thank you for that. We praise you for this report, God. Keep doing it, Lord Jesus. Keep doing it. Um, Christy, we're praying for her niece, Ellie. Rounded the corners, finally improving. Breathing and coughing, still labored. After six weeks, she's feeling better. Thank you, Lord, for keeping your hand upon uh, this family. Lord, keep ministering healing to her. Surround them in your love and your goodness, Lord God. All right. All right, friends, we want to keep praying for you. If we can, uh, if we can minister to you um, in, in, in hours to come this afternoon, feel free to comment even after the video is closed. Uh, if you'd like a call from a pastor, um, then you just let us know. Messages here. We'll be glad to, to reach out to you to give you some more uh, personalized prayer and some more personalized attention. Um, again, if you haven't yet, go to our website, kingschurch.net. Um, if, I'd love for you to connect with us. There at the top, you can see the tab, it says connect, and you can let us know a little bit about your visit today. We want you to do that, uh, first of all. And the second thing is, while you're there, also go to uh, kingschurch.net slash groups. If you're over to get involved in that drop-down menu, one of them says groups, go to groups. And uh, it, sh- it should have a page where there's um, it talks about our two, our two online courses, Unstuck and Secret Church. Register for those now. Go take a look at those now, Tuesday night and Thursday night. Tuesday night's going to be Unstuck with Megan, 8 o'clock. Thursday night's going to be uh, Secret Church with myself at 8 o'clock. We're going to do this for the next four weeks. So you need to sign up today because we're going to be kicking that off. Don't put it off. Go do it now. Go do it now, all right? Love you guys bless you. Can't wait to be back with you in person. Thinking of you guys and just, I know God has good things for us. All right. Take care.